the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Go to LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. You know, with the holidays coming up, it could be a nice little gift to get for a young you know, like a teen or someone heading off to college, a little investment nut in gold that can only serve them beautifully in the long term. So LegacyPMInvestments.com, we thank them for their sponsorship. So we often think of child abuse as coming from mean, awful, sad, dejected parents who strike their children, beat their children, emotionally abuse their children. And all of that does exist. And it it sickens me. It saddens me. I'd love the world to be eradicated of that. There's another kind of child abuse going on that is, for lack of a better term, medically endorsed. And that is this gender transition before kids become adults. So I'm going to reference kids here now, not, you know, making life altering decisions about their bodies before they're adults. Kids have to pass driver tests and be 16 in order to drive. They've got to be 18 in order to vote. There are reasons for that. We know kids' minds aren't fully developed until they're uh, 22 years old. They can drink at 21, but at 8 or 10 or 12, you're going to allow your child to decide that they want to change their gender, their sex, and mutilate their own body in order to do so, suppress hormones, you know, hormone blockers, puberty blockers, surgeries. There are some terrifying outcomes. Why is this phenomenon growing? Why are we seeing so many more kids attracted toward this change? And why, is, why aren't that many people paying attention? And in fact, many who are paying attention are saying to these kids, go, we will help you. Parents be damned. Brandon Showalter writes for the Christian Post. He has been covering this beat for years, and he's going to join us. And I got to warn you, some of what you're going to hear is difficult. It's graphic, but it's so important to know about. What are we really doing to our kids right now? And should we be? That's coming up. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity. With your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. So often when we think of child abuse, we think of domineering parents 
hitting their children, emotionally abusing their children. It's an awful, awful thing that normal people, mentally rational people would not tolerate if they viewed it. And yet there's something going on with our youth in America today, really all over the world, that is kind of weird. And many people will call child abuse. And that is disfiguring kids so that they can transition from one gender to the other. And I'm happy to welcome onto the show Brandon Showalter. He writes for the Christian Post. And Brandon, I'm just going to say it before we came on camera, you said this is some of the worst child abuse I've ever seen. Let's start there. What are you seeing right now that is happening to to kids who are transitioning? Well, at this point, uh, Michelle, I've gotten, I've lost count how many phone calls I've received from parents who have been absolutely shattered as their teenagers usually, but this is happening to younger children as well, have been lured into this experimental medicalization, these transgender, (laughs) gender affirming care as the euphemism goes. Um, I've been on this beat for several years now, uh, recently appeared in Tucker Carlson's documentary on this issue, and there are others in the works, um, but it's absolutely horrible. And there are parents who are actively participating in the abuse of their children. There are some of those, but the real abuse, the child abuse that's happening is at the hands of these clinicians and doctors who lie to parents and tell them that their children will wind up dead by suicide unless they allow their child to go on blockers and then cross-sex hormones and then perhaps a disfiguring surgery. Not necessarily in that order. Sometimes in the case of teenage girls, they'll cut the breasts off of those young women as, as young as 13. But it all it's all this sort of psychological gaslighting that happens within the medical system. And sometimes parents are a part of that um, if they want attention for themselves. But oftentimes parents are just lied to. But yes, this is some of the most grossly unethical medicine, I don't even like to call it that, that have we've ever seen. Um, and uh, it's just monstrously abusive. Uh, and it's becoming all the rage because it's marketed as an identity to these kids via social media, Tumblr, yeah. YouTube, Instagram, yeah. all of that. We see that in TikTok, of course. And so let, let me let me step back here and take sort of a big picture of what you just said. Parents will call you and you get letters or calls from parents and are they reaching out to you because they know you're on the beat? How are you becoming a, a hub for this information? Well, at the Christian Post, I have been reporting critically. I'm not the only one at my publication, but have been one of the main people here who have been writing uh, articles covering the events and the developments all over the world, but especially here, what's going on legislatively. I covered what happened with the Tavistock Clinic pretty thoroughly over in England. That is now being closed next year after an independent review. So people are desperate for information, and they realize that the legacy press, the the mainstream media, is lying to them. And so they're looking for alternatives, and somehow they find me on Twitter, or they saw a speech I gave on YouTube, and somehow they managed to reach out. So it there's just many ways where they find their way over to the Christian Post, but I've we, we view this issue, my editors do, as an existential one. And so we're not going to budge and use any of the linguistic manipulation that the legacy press so frequently uh, uses. Uh, we don't use gender-affirming care some people, or that, that kind of thing. Right, ge- yes, gender-affirming care is yeah. the name that it has been given, right? Gender-affirming care. So you're at the Christian Post. Some people, some of our viewers must say, well, he already has an automatic yeah. bent. He's uh, from a religious perspective. And what about people who are, you know, not religious, et cetera, et cetera? How do you answer that as part of 
In other words, it's part of your viewpoint on this issue. Yes, um, there are parents who are Christians that call me, but I hear from plenty of, you know, atheists and other non-religious people as well. And, you know, of course we do. I mean, we're, we are open. We have a perspective. We are the Christian post. That's not exactly a secret. But if you read our reporting, we're not Bible banging <laughs> in the articles. I mean, we're, we're just telling the truth. We're talking about the science. We don't employ genderist euphemisms in our coverage. And so, you know, people don't feel like they're preached at because they just see us reporting scientific truths. And the truth is true, whether it's coming from a mouth of a Christian or it's coming from a mouth of an atheist. It's universal. It's objective. So and I, you know, of course, my faith is important to me, but I don't feel the need to beat people over the head with the Bible, certainly. And I'm happy to help because this is a medical scandal and that affects everybody. How did you first come onto this beat? What what? In other words, it's this story, this phenomenon seems to have been really gaining steam here in the last mm -hmm. few years. So what when did you first note that something may be amiss here or just different changing? 2016 is when I got started here in journalism at CP. And it was shortly thereafter where I saw news articles where a male would be referred to as she and her. And it would confuse me because there were actual females also in the news article. And I was just trying to sort out, well, who who's it talking about here? Because it looks like they're calling someone a she, but they're not female. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And then I realized that they were overriding... <laughs> Are the rules of language. And so that really alarmed me. It felt Orwellian. And then I learned yeah. about the medical stuff that was going on. And I thought, surely they're not doing this to youth. But then one day I learned what the blockers were, the hormone blockers to halt natural puberty and something inside me snapped. That was probably late 2016 or early 2017. And I remember thinking that my head was going to spin off my body. I liken it to the time when I was a 14 or 15 year old boy. And I read my parents readers digest was the cover story about female genital mutilation, Warris Deary, the supermodel. And I just remember feeling that visceral sense of horror that evil like this existed. And it was the same kind of feeling when I learned that they were actually giving drugs to kids to halt a natural body process. And I just, I just knew that I couldn't look away. And so we, we dug in. And yes, it's been a remarkable change in the last year, especially as public awareness has increased about these atrocities that are going on. I mean, I, I think the fallout's going to be huge. People are starting to finally ask some of these vital questions. There have been some documentaries. Matt Walsh's film has been hugely instrumental in sort of raising the public awareness about this, but we're, we're, we're looking at a, we're looking at an atrocious medical scandal. And, and that is, those are strong words. When you say atrocities, what are some examples and feel free to be graphic here. We need to hear this. 
Well, girls as young as 13 have had their healthy breasts amputated. I have seen pictures of very young girls with, you know, armpit to armpit scar slashed across their chest, their tormented eyes. I've gotten a phone call from a detransitioner in his 30s who had his testicles amputated. That poor man wound up absolutely miserable, suicidal, a compromised endocrine system and ejaculating blood. I've heard absolutely horrible stories of parents who they, their daughters are now sterile and bearded because they've gotten Planned Parenthood within 30 minutes at, uh, to, to take testosterone. They, 30 minutes, they get, they get testosterone by a telehealth call. It, they're be, they're, they're, their children are being sterilized. I mean, they know that they'll never be grandparents again. I mean, it's just stunning to, to know that these controlled substances are, are being passed out with, with remarkable ease. No safeguards, no mental health evaluations, no psychiatric tests. It's, it's gone. Uh, just, it's running rampant across their culture. Kids in school being taught that they can pick their gender from a list of, I think, 72 or however many. I mean, it starts very, very young. And before you know it, guidance counselors are making referrals to their kids behind the parents' backs that here's a local gender clinic where you can explore some resources. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. And I felt like a crazy man screaming into the void for the past few years. But I think now the awareness is finally is finally rising that this is not okay. And this is happening even in very unlikely places. Yes, even in very conservative red states, you can find some of this happening. So if a parent calls you or writes to you, and you mentioned the, the, the medical complex in this, the you know medicine, if you will. What's going on there? What, what is, why, why are licensed medical practitioners going along with this? Ideological capture is the best explanation that I can explain. What does that mean? Well, it, it means that this has become the fashionable dogma of the day. Uh, there's also a lot of money that's attached to this as well. Uh, there are doctors who are experimenting and researching on young people and there's, there's government grants that they receive for this. I've, most famous one I saw was from five years ago, I, or actually 2015 is when this started. There was a, a to the tune of $5.7 million grants to pediatric gender clinics that was given by our NIH. And as a multi-site grant that received all of this money, and I saw a FOIA document, a progress report from that uh, study midway through, and an endocrinologist that I know unearthed the fact that they had lowered the age for the cross-sex hormone cohort inclusion criteria from 13 years old to eight years old. So we're talking about experimenting on very young kids, but th th there's money. I mean, and think about it this too, Michelle, if you can get a kid on blockers and then hormones, then maybe a surgery, that's a lot of medicalization. That's a lot of money. <laughs> They're going to be a lifetime, lifelong medical patient because of what all of those drugs are going to cause in that young person's body in pursuit of a physiological impossibility. They'll be a medical patient for life. So it behooves us to ask, well, who, who benefits from this? You know, why do if, why if doctors who went to medical school and presumably know biology, why would they ever go along with something so anti-scientific? Well, there must be some reason ideology is part of it, but I think the money is also another aspect that we can't ignore. This is, I mean, that, that it's such a suggestion that makes me think, no, no, this can't possibly, I mean, a little extra money couldn't possibly lead to this. But um, 
What I want to do is take a quick break and I want to come back and talk to you about what's going on in schools, because as you said, there are some teachers who are steering kids, for lack of a better term, at least toward getting professional help for this and why parents aren't more involved. Back right after this. So times are tough. (laughs) There's just no way around it. You sense it at the gas station, you sense it at the grocery store, and you have lots of decisions. You have to make so many financial decisions. You need to look at your long-term as well as your short-term. And is there any way that you might want to put some gold or silver in your portfolio, your 401k, your IRA, to invest in the future, to hedge against inflation and the weakening dollar as a long-term play that in years from now, you will say, I'm so glad I did that. If you're thinking about it, the only folks I trust about making investments in gold and silver are legacy precious metals. You can find them at LegacyPMInvestments.com, and I'll give you their phone number in a second. You know, in 2008, it was a little bit like this. There was this financial just crash, and those who invested in gold saw really nice gains and others lost their retirements. So at least get some questions asked. Find out why I trust Legacy Precious Metals and so many others do. And just give them a call. Get your questions answered. They're there to help. So you can call them at 866-528-1903, 866-528-1903, 866-528-1903, or download their free investor's guide, LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Brandon Showalter writes for the Christian Post, and he writes a lot about, I'll just read you a few of the headlines, generation indoctrination, what's being done to protect kids legally from gender ideology, generation indoctrination inside the roots of the trans movement. And that's where I want to go. If you can get to the the very beginning of this, the genesis of this thing, what is it? I mean, why, why, what is, to what end do we want to change people's gender? What, why would someone try to influence that? Well, for me, the only explanation that I have that makes any sense is just there is such a thing as radical evil. And what could be more radical evil? And there's, I mean, obviously my faith makes sense of this, but even for, for people who don't share my faith, then that's, that's fine. I think there is good and evil. And what could be more evil than confusing a child about the most basic things about his or her own body. Um, we did, in addition to those articles you mentioned, we have a podcast series called Generation Indoctrination, where we explore the various dimensions of this. Um, but as I was saying a moment ago, there's a lot of money to be made here. I mean, and my faith has something to say about that too. The Lord Jesus Christ said that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And so we do need to ask these very basic questions. Just why is it out of seemingly nowhere, do we have this explosion of young people who Never before in previous generations were gender confused. Have there always been some? Yes, a very minuscule number of them. But we're seeing an extraordinarily huge social contagion, largely fueled by the Internet, and it's throughout all of culture, that's telling children that there's something inherently wrong with their bodies. No, you are your body. You're male or female. You can't change that. Biological sex is an immutable trait. So there's many reasons that um, we can talk about some of why we think some of this is, but I think as faith and family has broken down, a lot of this gender dogma has filled the void and that can't be ignored either. 
I, I agree with you. I, I don't think that can be ignored. I think people are looking for, meaning, for connections. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're just there and attention as well. And especially kids want attention from mm -hmm. the time that they're born, basically, until they say, bye, parents, I'm out of here. I got to go live my own life. And it is during that critical time, it seems to me that this, you know, this is thing is exploding among kids, kids who are still living at home, figuring it all out. I've got two. I've got a 17 and a 14 year old. And I can tell you, um, I've got a boy and a girl. They are naturally very different. They have a lot in common. They don't have a lot in common, but they've gone through their hardships emotionally. And I, I, I know that kids need this attention and it seems, and some kids need more, right? And I think that in many cases, it's, it's, kids are saying, look at me, look at me, look how different I am. And you mentioned the language of it all, the, the pronouns. Yeah. And the, the 72 names of different genders or whatever it is. When you start changing the way that we communicate and the language with which we operate, it seems to me something weird is, <laughs> it just seems weird. And, and I, you know, and I don't mean any offense. Look, if you want to be called a she or a he or whatever, I, I don't care. But it, it, as you said, it is. I just can't make sense of well, it. Well, it's an it's an important point, and we journalistically refuse to kowtow to that because our language shapes thought. So if they can control how you speak, they can control how you think. And we're not going to use our very means of communication to convey a material falsehood. No one is served by that. No one is served by using words to cover up uh, what is a medical scandal. I mean, the New York Times just today is finally asking questions about blockers, about hormone blockers. After years of using euphemisms like gender-affirming care, they have used words, the very things that they should be using to expose something grossly unethical, they have used to cover it up. The public has been as in the dark as they have been about this because of the insidious use of certain terms. So that's why we refuse at the Christian Post to be party to that. You know, I'm, I'm a believer that you got to let your yes be yes and your no be no. And it's not because you don't want to have compassion on someone who is truly gender confused. Some people will, as a matter of courtesy, do that. But in the long run, that just really doesn't help. You can't allow your sense of compassion for someone to be weaponized against you such that you participate in what is ultimately a lie. All right, let's get into the to more of the the medical stuff here because y you've said that this is abuse and that you've just seen some of the most grotesque images. I'll tell you one that I saw and you you let me know if what I saw was real or if I was being punked because it's almost every day right. these days that I feel like I'm being punked right. about something. But it was a little girl whose arm had basically been mutilated and they were taking the flesh of her arm to create for her male genitalia. It, it is, was I seeing something that is actually happening? You very likely saw something that was actually happening. Uh, I've known of you know, people very young, 18, 19, 20, uh, that got what you're describing as a radial forearm phalloplasty where they harvest tissue from the forearm of a female in order to fashion a simulacrum of a male sex organ. And these surgeries are highly complex. They're not repairing the body. They're disfiguring it intentionally with the goal of appearing more like the opposite sex. 
Um, and I know of one case, at least on Instagram, where a woman who had that operation done wound up with an ileostomy bag and was urinating out of her anus and had, I think, had 30 corrective follow-up surgeries. These are brutal, brutal operations. Uh, and I, I mean, since when I see those things, um, the teenage girls with their breasts cut off just really send me into a dark place. But we see, I see a lot of those. But no, some of these brutal disfigurement surgeries that are being done just take my breath away. I mean, how they ever became legal and in such a short span of time is just, it's dizzying. But um, no, we're, we're seeing <laughs> these things be done. And it's an extraordinarily high uh, complication rate because it undermines the fundamental integrity of the body. These surgeries don't help heal the body of, you know, a cancerous tumor that you're removing. You're 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 undermining the whole organism, <laughs> and your body's not meant to function in a disfigured way. Uh, and the lie that's sold is that, well, if you do this, you're going to feel psychologically better because you truly are, so they say, the opposite sex. But you don't cut the body to heal the mind. <laughs> That's just not, I mean, medical ethics has collapsed. How, how has this happened so fast? That's the million dollar question, isn't it? And I, I think that as we have become so dissociated from our bodies and we've lost a reverential regard for the integrity of who we are as, I would say, uh, creatures made in God's image. But even if you don't believe in God, you believe that your body is has a fundamental integrity to it as a whole functioning organism you can then just sort of define yourself and all of these psychologized terms and do whatever you think you want with it and you know, before you know it you've excused all manner of what i believe are atrocities um it's just i don't it, the, the principle used to be in medical ethics again even if you're religious or not or whatever your you know theological grid philosophical grid is for this is that you don't remove a body part in plastic surgery that impedes the function of the entire organism. You can't remove a breast unless you've got a cancer or where you're trying to pre preserve and prevent a disease from overtaking the human body. The intent matters, but you do not remove an organ that will impede the function of your body. If you remove a healthy breast, you will never then be able to breastfeed later in life. You're undermining the function of the body. It's not just a blob of And at that point where where the young woman is doing that, she's thinking, well, I'm never going to have to breastfeed because I'm a man and I'm not going to have children. And so I don't care. She doesn't really know that. She doesn't, of course, because right. she's 13 and she doesn't know right. anything. Um, I mean, let's, we require a lot of people to be able to yep. drive, drink, vote, join the army. And yet we're going to go say, yes, you can have a medical overhaul to try to change your gender or your sex, which you can't change your sex because there are chromosomes and just everything you said. Gender, okay. If you want to identify as something else, I suppose that's up to you. But at a young, pre-adult age, allowing this. So I want to get into this. A parent takes a child to a mm -hmm. specialist and they're stressed out and freaking out the parent because they're told... Your child might commit suicide if they can't get this sex change. What what is the gaslighting that takes place from that point? What how are these parents losing control over this process? The famous line, Michelle, is would you rather have a living daughter or a dead son or vice versa? That's the line that is used to instill panicked fear in parents who are desperately afraid that their child is going to take their own lives by suicide if they don't allow them to undergo this experimental medicalization. 
it just gets me so hot under the collar when I hear that because suicide is such a complex thing. And there are many factors that contribute to that. And you cannot prove that unless you allow your child to be pumped full of blockers and hormones that they will not kill their lives, take, take their own lives. It, the, the most insidious part about it, I think, is that there actually have been some confused young people that have taken their own lives. That has happened. And so it preys upon a very real fear. But it's a lie because, again, you cannot prove it. And moreover, I've talked to people who, after they went through all of that, they became even more suicidal after that. And, in fact, there's the big famous study that's out of Sweden where – because they have centralized medical system over there. They've tracked, they tracked all of the post-operative, what were then known as transsexual uh, persons from, I think, it was, I think, 1973 to 2003. They followed for 30 years and they found that among that group of people who underwent those disfiguring surgeries, they had a 19 times higher hazard of completed suicide. And when you match against population match control groups, so it didn't solve their problems. And you're opening yourself up to a whole world of hurt. And we haven't even begun to discuss the endocrine disease, your your the, your liver problems, kidney issues, your heart attacks, the, all of the other medical risks in addition to suicide. Uh, and th- this is what gets me the most is that you're sterilizing people. Does that not just trigger some alarm bells, particularly in the United States where, unfortunately, we have a sordid history of experimenting on vulnerable people groups where they were rendered sterile. That does not suddenly become a, a medically ethical thing to do just because you've got, you know, LGBT stickers <laughs> everywhere or just because it's the cause celebre amongst our elites. No, S- sterilizing someone if you have cancer, and that might be an unfortunate side effect of, you know, the rough drugs you have to take to get rid of your, your tumor or your cancer. Not for a psychological problem, absolutely not. You don't just eradicate somebody's fertility because they're confused about their body. Right. right. Are we in a, a blip in history, do you think? Or are we at the beginning of something that is only going to get more pronounced? In other words, do you think the pendulum will swing? Do you think, as you said, the New York Times finally may be questioning hormone blockers. Do you think Brandon, that, that the attention is coming to this issue in time to stop it from being something um, it wasn't intended to be, or maybe it was intended to be. I mean, it, it's 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 so confusing to me as to how the medical industry is allowing this to happen. It's a great question, and people ask me often: Is the tide finally turning? Are we finally going to see a turnaround? Are people really waking up? And the answer that I say is yes and no. Yes, we do see increased public awareness, and I celebrate every single game. But until this house of cards collapses, and not one moment sooner, we must continue to raise the alarm because. And what is that going to take outside of? I applaud you. You're taking. I mean, you know, you're you're writing, you're podcasting, you're appearing with me and and many others. I'm I'm hopeful, and trying to expose this. 
Um, how much more is it going to take? I wish I knew, but I do think that lawsuits will be a huge part of the effort. Uh, Chloe Cole, who's a deep transitioner now, she's 18 years old. She was started on this pathway, I think, at 12 or 13, had her breasts amputated at 15. She's had all kinds of health complications, and she's talking about a lawsuit now. The state statutes of limitations are as low as one year in some places, and so we'll see. But I think just as more and more awareness spreads and there's a critical mass of people who realize that it is as bad as we're saying and probably worse, then maybe we'll see some action. Um, there's various legislation being considered in certain places. Florida's medical board has you know, ruled against this. So there have been some happenings on the legal front. Um, but what's going to be the silver bullet? I wish I knew, but there are there's a whole cadre of very diverse people, Republican, Democrats, atheists, Christians, feminists, lesbians. <laughs> you got a broad spectrum of people who are rising up and saying, absolutely not, no, not on our watch. Um, but we need more foot soldiers because the other side has billions of dollars at their disposal and they practically own the media. So it's just a matter of time before the truth is finally out and undeniable to such a degree that people will not be able to believe. Maybe, maybe that's evidence the New York Times has finally questioned it, that we finally cracked the media blockade. We'll see. In the meantime, gender ideologues don't give up on their dogma very easily. This is pretty scary, sad, depressing stuff. And I I don't know who I feel for more, the children or the parents of these children, the, the, the parents who feel entrapped, who feel... I, I was... This is totally unrelated, but I was anorexic mm -hmm. when I was 13. My parents would yeah. do anything, right. anything to save me at that point because it was, you know, it was pretty scary. Yeah. Yes. And I get a little, I get a little misty thinking about it. And with my own kids, what I wouldn't but do But it's for worse them. now because and when your parents, they, no, the society didn't reinforce your anorexia. They all agreed it was a right, problem. Right. Today, the institutions are ready to surround your child and undermine the parents yeah. and further their confusion. It would be like back then when you were dealing with that, society rushed around you with laxatives and liposuction. That's what's happening today, yeah, yeah, where the yeah. institutions have reinforced the confusion and undermined the parents to the point where even social services agencies have intervened and removed custody from some parents. And their children have wound up dead because of this. I know of stories like this. It's absolutely harrowing and excruciating. I can't imagine what they're going through. It's just, I carry their suffering with me as I think of them every night before I go to sleep. <laughs> well, you are one heck of a foot soldier, Brandon. Brandon Showalter, The Christian Post. You can find him on Twitter. You, um, and in, just quick, give a plug for your podcast, because I'm sure people want to want to. appreciate in. that. Yes, I can be found on Twitter, at Brandon M. Show. M is in Mary, at Brandon M. Show. Um, and we do have a podcast at the Christian Post now called Generation Indoctrination. It's a five-part documentary-style investigative podcast, podcast series where we cover many dimensions of this movement. We could have covered hours more, and we may do some future things that's still under discussion. But wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, wherever, Generation Indoctrination, we're quite proud of what we've produced. Uh, congratulations on that. Thank you for being with us. I'm glad we at least got to scratch the surface of this. The surface is bad enough. I think this getting deeper deep. people. Yeah, I, I'm sure it does. Brandon, thank you so much, folks. Thanks for listening to Sideline Sanity. Be brave. Stand up for your kids. Do good. And thanks for listening. Have
happy to talk once again with Charles Thorngren, the CEO of Legacy Precious Metals. You know, I think it still is confusing to people, uh, some people, uh, as to why a precious metals investment would be a worthwhile one, particularly at this time when they're thinking, I'm doing all I can to put gas in the car. Why is now a particularly good time? And we'll go from there to how small of an investment is worthwhile for someone. You know, a great question. And I think the the importance of why really comes into the fact that we have to save for ourselves, whether it's a little here, a little there, whether it's making it a plan and putting out so much paycheck, whether it's making sure we fund our retirement account. We have to realize we are responsible for ourselves in the long run. <laughs> you mean that no one else is going to ride up and save us, you know, on some white steed? It ain't going to happen. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. You know, that, and anyone who's promising to do that is getting ready to take advantage of you in some form or fashion. Yeah. And so, so if, if I'm an investor, a potential investor, and I'm looking at legacy precious metals and I'm saying to myself, yeah, I, I, this sounds smart. I don't have a lot to spend. What would you tell that person? I would say, do what you can. If you never start, you never get there. So the most important step you can take is saying, I'm going to take care of myself and my family. I'm going to make it a plan. I'm going to take action. I'm going to start in the way that's comfortable for me. That's the important thing. The first step is always the hardest. But once you take that first step, the second step is easier. And then you're moving. And then once you're in motion, it's hard to stop you. So that first step, most important step. I always tell people they can call and talk to an IRA expert or, or check out the, the guide that they can download for free, the investor's guide. What, what is the number one question that you get from people who are first-time investors? The biggest question I get, is this right for me? That is the question. And that comes from everyone. So, so everyone's asking the same, is this right for me? And yet we're all so unique. And, and yet it, it is a sound investment for just about any portfolio, isn't it? It is. Even though we're all unique, that uniqueness is going to tailor the way we begin the investment. Okay. But we're all in the same situation. That's the one thing I think we seem to forget in today's society. Whether you agree with somebody or not, we're in this together. America is in this transition that we're in right now. We're dealing with the same issues. Some people like them, some don't, but we're all in it together, right? So the need is the same. How we prepare and how we invest is what changes from person to person, but we all have that same need. It's a great point. And again, I encourage people to, to, to just make the call, pick up the phone. That step is always the hardest. I'm not sure why that is in any kind of effort that you make in life, whether it's weight loss or exercise or investing some way to better your life. It always seems like that first hurdle is, is the challenge. Uh, but when they call, who, who are they going to talk to? Who, what, what's going to be on the other end of the line for them? Great question. You're going to speak with one of our customer representatives and their job is not to sell you metals, right? We have a much different approach. We're going to answer all your questions. We're going to show you what options you have. And on the rare occasion, this isn't right for you. We're going to say this probably isn't right for you. Um, we have a gold company here, but you know, I, I say it all the time. What we actually deal in is customer service. We want each and every individual that calls to get the answers they need to be able to make the decision that's right for them. And we want to do that in a way that's not pushy, that's not salesy, 
And that's what makes my team so special. We care about each and every caller. And we're going to show you what options you have, and then you get to make an informed decision. So don't be afraid of the phone call. It's the best thing you can do. And this is why I am so honored and I feel privileged to be sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. They're the ones that I'm going to deal with. And I encourage you to pick up the phone, give them a call, even easier. Go check out their their guide. It's a free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. But as you said, Charles, pick up the phone. You're going to talk to someone who can answer your specific questions and get Get the ball rolling. Get get started. Do something that is a long-term play for your family's benefit. Charles, it's always great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's always great to be here. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.